Welcome to the Context Podcast, sponsored by Geist Interactive. I'm your host, Jeremy Brown. In today's episode, we sit with Big Tom of the FileMaker community. You may know him from his great advice and great posts in the community. I sit down with him to talk about an intriguing question. What do users care about? We as FileMaker developers love to debate technique and method, but it occurs to me we are forgetting what the users are interested in. So Big Tom and I talk about what users care about. He's got a great perspective. He has a lot of clients that he works with in multiple parts of the platform. So his perspective is very relevant to this particular discussion. So sit back and enjoy. What do users care about? Hey, Tom, welcome to the Context Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, Jeremy. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, I, I'm glad. We've we've talked a lot in forums and in Slack channels, but I don't think we've actually ever met, have we? Um, I think we met in passing just for a moment at a DevCon oh. where you were speaking for the first time. Um, I think that was, that was it. That was a blur of the year, yeah. 2017. That was... That was a blur. Yeah, I've actually Josh. I met him that year and don't remember. <laughs> so I'm, I'm I must be bad with uh, remembering people. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, no worries. Uh, well, I'm glad that you're here. Um, I think I've, I've developed a picture of who you are, at least in your FileMaker world, from our conversations on these different forums. But I'd like you to explain, tell tell the audience who are you and what do you do and how do you pronounce your last name? <laughs> so my uh, my name is Tom Othout, and uh, who who am I? I you know yeah. I I guess I have um, you know I. I grew up with, uh, you know, some experience in, in a couple of different fields. Um, I spent a lot of my younger life in the automotive industry and that was very interesting. Um, then, uh, you know, as my life evolved, it turned into, you know, kind of becoming, you know, active back in, you know, sort of the, the, the data end of things with databases and, um, I had some exposure to that in my in my youth with uh, Orland Paradox, which is a very interesting data product back then. But um, yeah, so I had a little bit of foundation in it, and uh, you know, and FileMaker, you know, really turned into something that um, that I enjoyed working with, and you know, it's been really good, and I spend a heck of a lot of time working with it every day these days. When did you start working in FileMaker? What version? Uh, version 12. And I, I, okay. wish, I wish I had found it earlier. But uh, yeah, but yeah I, I found FileMaker in version 12. Tell me, how did you find it? Did you purposely go seek it out? Or did you, as I, as I call it, stumble into it? Um, I think it was kind of, um, you know, kind of a necessity by nature of being in an office that was populated with Macs and iOS devices and being in the, that environment and then going, okay, well, you know, we, we need a, a data solution for this. And then when you start looking, the, the, the gateway product was Bento, right? Like mm -hmm. that was, which I think was a very underpriced product for what it did. I, I was super happy with that. It had its limitations. We used that for a couple of months um, and then quickly 
you know, just said, oh, well, let's, let's do this FileMaker thing because it's better. So you, okay, so you, you saw it, you, you started with Bento, you, you kind of graduated up to FileMaker um, and started using it in your company just as an in-house system. Yeah, the um, yeah. yeah at the company, you know, we just started using that as an in-house system. It wasn't my initial intention to do all the, the development on my own. Um, I had, you know, contacted some development companies, and um, you know, I, I I wasn't happy with the timelines that they had, mm-hmm. and so that sort of forced me into you know to to just doing it on my own. And you did you find that obviously. <laughs> The answer is yes, but you found that FileMaker can help you solve these problems faster, better. What um, what what it, prompted you to continue to use FileMaker? The productivity went way up, right? I mean, okay. it, it was huge. I mean, for the cost of FileMaker, um, you know, just in terms of the licensing and hardware, I mean, the the solution that um, that we, that we you know were using at the time and, and still use now in that company was pretty much paying off at least 20 X the first year. I mean, you know, just, just huge improvements, right? Like Mm -hmm. the productivity went way up. Um, and, and I, you know, nobody could have really expected that it just sort of happened and it evolved and, and that was great. So you mentioned that the company is still using that, the system that you built in 12. Uh, no, I mean it's it's in a newer version now. Yeah, yeah. When you started, in it, it's still there. It's still part of their it's daily. A, yeah, it's, it's a it's a core part of 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 the business. Like that, it holds everything together. Yeah. Does it handle many different services? Many different modules? Does it handle many different departments' work? Right. It handles. You know, it handles receiving. It handles. Um, you know, without getting too much into the company. So, you know, it handles receiving, it handles shipping, um, you know, integration with e-commerce, um, you know, uh, customer interactions. Uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's you know, it's integrated with, you know, some some bit with social media. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's grown. Of, certainly all of those things weren't um, as available as they are now. And, yeah. um, you know, back before... Uh, you know, some plugins or, you know, later versions of FileMaker, we accomplish things with, you know, ODBC and, you know, what I would, what I would call, you know, antiquated ways of doing it. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, we, we got stuff done, you know, how we, how we had to get it done. And and now it, it's just so much easier to, to really integrate with stuff and, and, and make things happen. That's been great. That's an interesting point. I was going to ask you, if you were to build this, system today would you build the same things that you built would you build them in filemaker or would you use other services to handle that part of the daily business um i think if i had to redo it i you know it's gone through a lot of evolution right um you know and and some things that used to be done in filemaker are now done by outside services because it's the better answer you know we kind of took mm-hmm. that functionality and, and took it away um, you know, email is is one of those things. Um, you know, this the the entirety of you know transactional email and e- and marketing emails. Really, you can do it in in FileMaker, but it's not the best tool for the job. So, yeah, I think there would be 
Um, you know, and I've tried to pull as much functionality out of FileMaker as possible and put it in the best in the best service possible that that we can because again, it just really boosts productivity, and that's that's the key thing. Today's episode is brought to you by Auto Automatic Server to Server File Migration. In the past, the process of deploying FileMaker files has been tough and error-prone for developers. The many-step and time-consuming process made us wary of using a development and production server setup. Instead, we would just develop live on the client's system. Luckily, Auto is here for FileMaker developers to use. It takes all the hassle and humanness out of the equation. We can now set up our development process correctly. Auto is an automatic server-to-server file migration process. One click of a button inside the auto migrator file or a file of your own making, and auto will back up and close both the development and live files. It will then move the development file over to the production server as the new live file, migrate the data from the old live file to the new one, then open up the new live file with all of your changes. And it does all of this very fast. And Auto does so much more than that. Auto uses the data migration tool and the FileMaker developer API. The Auto Migrator file is fully made in FileMaker, so you can use these tools in Auto to completely customize your own setup. Check out the Auto demo at geistinteractive.com. See how fast it will transfer a demo file from your development to production server. Auto, automatic server to server file migration. That's okay. Very cool. I don't think I have in my year and a half here at Geist Interactive, I have never built a fully fledged system. I have always built systems that connect to other systems. And I think we see that in dev, we see that more and more part of the platform, right? Where with Claris Connect coming and even what we can do now, we can connect anywhere. And uh, it seems silly to try to build any of that stuff that is already out there. Right. Build it right. I mean, there's there's so many great services like, you know, if you try to build your own like accounting system, it's really silly to do that because there's so many great options out there with fully featured suites that handle accounting. Yeah. There's, you know, and, and some accounting handles order management, but there's order management systems. There's like there's support systems, there's shipping systems. And, and really, I think you know, FileMaker's coming into this space where it's the glue that holds everything together, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, or it's the rug that brings the room together, right? It, uh, it you know, and it gives you, a, yeah, it gives you a single interface that's easy to use that you can, you can connect to do a lot of things that are optimized by people in their own industries. And, and that's really good. And, you know, ultimately somebody needs to know about the technology, but, um, you know, in the end, when, when it comes down to the users, the users are happy to just have an interface that does what they need it to do. Very, very nice transition, Tom, to what we want to talk about. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the users, they have an interface to see what they need to do and behind the scenes, it's connecting to it. So tell me more about that. This is a big question that I think we'll try to answer in different ways, but just generally, what in your in your experience, what does the user care about? I think hmm, when I think about the users, I mean it depends on the company, it depends on the job, but ultimately I think the users 
95% of the time they care about productivity. I think from what I see, you know, most people care about their job. They, they want to do a good job. And if you, if you're going to offer them a tool, they, they want it to be as productive as possible. And, and I guess I keep coming back to this word productivity, but um, you know, and you don't technically really think of FileMaker as a productivity application, right? You know, in, in terms of like word processors or what people sort of classically call productivity apps. But I think that, I think that's the key. I think the users, they, they want to feel like the tool really helps them do what they need to do. Okay. So they care about their productivity. They, they care about getting their work done, moving on to the next task and getting out the door at the end of the day. Right. Right. And, you know, maybe, maybe they get more done in a day and maybe that makes them feel good. Maybe when they get a certain workload done, they just go home for the day and they're happy about that. Like whatever the motivation is, I think that really comes down to, you know, the application being productive is important to them. I hear this all the time when I'm developing a, a, a database and QA people look at it, whatever. But do you think people really care about fewer clicks? Is that part of being more productive to click less? I think <laughs> that's a whole conversation, right? Um, I think that I, I think it does matter. I don't think that you should have too many clicks, but I think that an effort to purposefully reduce clicking or tapping for the sake of doing that can sometimes be detrimental, right? Mm -hmm. It's this, um, this symptom of the, I, I, I like to sometimes tell people like the device that does 500 things that has one button, it, it's sometimes more difficult, right? Because you, you take away selection, you take away the ability to evaluate or, or, you know, click something and go somewhere. And, and when you start taking the clicks away, maybe that gets in the way sometimes. It, it, interesting. It, it feels maybe more abstract or at least as a developer, you're trying to build it more abstractly and try to uh, use parameters or, or use logic to determine where they should go. But if, the, if you can have two buttons that do two different things versus one button that those two things, you're saying that, you know, it, it might be too much to take away the click. It, yeah, it, yeah. It, it really depends on evaluating each situation. And, and of course, we don't want people to have to tap and click, you know, unnecessary amounts of times. But, um, you know, and I've pushed in that direction before. And, you know, and I've, and I've pushed it. And, you know, then sometimes people get confused, like, well, how many things does this button do? And what's it going to do right now? And, and it's just this one button, and it does more than one thing. And, and that you know, sometimes confuses the user. Um, you know, you have to, you have to figure, you know, a lot of people, um, that are working, they, they, they're not tech savvy. They don't understand, like just making it super clear for them. Like this button does this thing and they're, they're happy with that. They, they feel secure with it. It makes me, so in my house, I have a, um, I have the Philips Hue lighting system and I purchased a, um, a, a switch that you can put up on the wall and you can program from your phone, you can program the different buttons on there to do different things. But one of the quote features is that one of the buttons can do two things depending on how long you hold it down. And that actually 
I actually can't even remember and I use it almost every day. I can't remember which one does like which one is the hold down? What what does that do? So you're 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 saying something very interesting here that a button on a layout really should do one thing, like the button on my um, doorbell or the button to turn on the oven, you know, the, the button on the oven shouldn't turn on the oven and also dispense ice from the, from the, from the refrigerator. Yeah. I, I think the most important thing, I mean, a button can do more than one thing. Um, you know, you can do that, but I think the most important thing to consider is does the user understand it? Like, is it intuitive? And, and I've, you know, had the benefit to be able to do some development where I, I, you know, I make changes, sometimes big changes, and I just deploy it for any company or client that I may deal with and zero instructions, just, just give it to the users. Mm -hmm. And if, if I get a bunch of emails, I did something wrong, right? Like, you know, the idea is you, you make changes and um, you should be able to provide users, you know, with an interface that needs no instruction. Interesting. Okay. So you mentioned users care about productivity. Let's, let's kind of break that down a little bit in the, um, in some specifics. Uh, let, let's, let's go with, with a layout. When, when a user is more productive looking at a layout, roughly, what does that mean? More productive when they're looking at a layout, I guess it needs. When they're using the layout. Yeah. When they're using, yeah. The layout. When they're using the layout. I mean, I think that a user needs to see the information that they need to see and they need to have the available tools, you know, in terms of, of buttons or, you know, field selections and, you know, whatever it is that the, the tool to enter the data or manipulate the data, they need those to be clear and available in, you know, in a comfortable position. There's some general tendency for, you know, FileMaker developers and, you know, I guess to some extent, it's just software developers and web developers in general that they, they follow these trends and I'm not sure why, <laughs> but, uh, you know, because certain jobs require, um, you know, different interfaces and, um, you know, kind of looking, you know, there are general rules, of course, like you don't, you know, just pack a bunch of small buttons somewhere in a corner. Everybody gets that. But if you really start to look at individual job processes, make it comfortable for them, right? Like, is, is this something that that the user sits at a desk but has trouble to um, or, or continually has to like look left and then come back to the screen? Then maybe the buttons and controls on the right side are a little further away than than having that interface on the left side of the screen or or vice versa, right? So whatever can come back to their eye and, and focus quickly considering their body movement is, is something I, tr I try to look at when I can. Um, okay. Yeah, and, and that could just be a physical thing about a particular office or a particular workspace. So productivity by looking at a layout is they have what they need, but it's organized, right? It's, you know, you're not, you're not moving things around. <laughs> each layout you have a consistent kind of theme i think we yeah we all recognize that and try to build for that right yeah i think that that's you know i i think anyone who's you know developing any sort of user interface understands that it needs to be consistent like even if even if whatever it is might be not the best design it's the same design all the time it's consistent and you know users adapt to that and you know they they use it no problem 
Okay, so uh, we build layouts. Uh, we also, as developers, build scripts. So how does a script make a user more productive? What, what, what features in the script allow a person to be more productive? You don't, have to, you don't have to get specific on techniques at the moment, but can you just generally tell me how do scripts make us productive? Hmm. I think scripts, I mean, a lot of what's... Is that a tough question? Well, yeah, scripts do a lot of things. So I'm trying to uh, really put it into a, a situation, you know, from the user and what maybe what the script does that the user doesn't see or does see um, that that helps them along. And I would say that, that scripts can help users be productive in terms of uh, maybe what they do see, right? Like providing a, you know, a, a progress bar, um, you know, something like that, where they go, oh, okay, this process is probably gonna take three minutes. I can go do something else. Instead of kind of waiting unknowingly, like, okay, I'm gonna wait here. You know, so it keeps them productive. If if FileMaker is going to, you know, do an intense find or, you know, generate a, you know, a temp table for a report or something, and, you know, it, it's intense and it, it needs to chunk through a bunch of data to do it and it's going to take a couple of minutes, you know, then the user knows about it. And, you know, while the script's doing its thing, the user can do something else. I think that scripts can certainly do all kinds of things that obscure processes from the user that sometimes it's good like you, you don't necessarily want to show users what's going on uh, mm -hmm. it, it gives them it gives them something else to jump in the middle maybe they they, they tap it like click into a field or, or do something that they shouldn't be doing but you you showed it to them and maybe didn't keep keep it secure enough and then that can cause a problem in the data and and generally scripts need to get their job done right <laughs> so if this if this script says add a new record or copy this record over into another system another table that just needs to get it done right right that's that makes yeah. it more productive for the client for the user when the button does what it says it's going to do yeah i think I, I think that goes without saying, but yeah, yeah, it goes without saying. But it actually leads me into the the, the next things that I want to talk about. So we'll agree that we'll agree that scripts need to do what they're supposed to do, right? Right, right. <laughs> okay, good. So if if the user cares about you know, especially in scripts, it, that it's supposed to do what it's supposed to do, as a developer. If, what do I need to keep in my mind when I'm developing that script? Generally, what you keep in mind when you're developing a script in terms of the user, I like to think of it as like the, the user is like this, this passenger along for the ride, right? Like the, the second they initiate a script, you, you have to make sure that, that they're taken care of, right? Like that, that what they ask to be done is getting done that they understand, um, at least from their perspective, that it's happening and, you know, confirm with them when it's done that it, it did it right. And if it didn't work, you need to inform them that it didn't, right? Like mm -hmm. you just got to keep them well informed and they're just kind of, you know, usually unless there's some sort of, you know, option to input data in the middle of the process, um, you know, most scripts are, you know, predetermined to just run off and do their thing. So, you know, the, the user's just along for the ride until it's done. 
since the user cares about the script getting its job done and keeping in mind those that you just mentioned, the user is on for the ride and that it needs to do what it does. And then also let us know, let the user know if something didn't ha didn't happen that was supposed to. Is there any reason then to think that there is a best technique out there for a particular script? I don't care about the script and what it does, but we see in the forums a lot, we see people having many different ways to solve a problem, right? Different calculation, a different um, sequence of script steps and so forth. How much does that matter really in the light of the fact that the user just wants the script to do what it's supposed to do? I think that if the user's getting the process done and it's it's doing it in a way that when the script is done, the data is in a state that it needs to be in and the user's informed that everything went well or went wrong. The, the in-between bits, right? As long as it's not causing, you know, performance issues or, you know, the user isn't happy with, with what happened or it's not creating problems with the data. I don't really see that there's a problem in getting it done in, in any particular way um, as long as it's, you know, the the end result through the process is, you know, safe for, you know, a multi-user environment, the, the data is solid, like, you know, all of those, you know, basic things are met, however you do it. I think that it's open, right? And I think that the, the ability for developers to be creative and do it in different ways is really good. It, it you know, it, it inspires innovation. Yeah, and I, I actually love the discussions of different ways to do it, um, to solve a problem. Um, I like this idea that you just mentioned that as long as the script does what it's supposed to do and the user is is happy with it, that we're good. So if if you develop this process one way and I develop it another way, if our clients are happy, the same process, but if our respective clients are happy, both of us are winners, right? <laughs> both of us have won the day because we... We solved the problem going about it differently, but we've solved the problem. I think that that's good. You know, I, I, I've had a number of lengthy discussions with, um, you know, with other longtime FileMaker developers on, um, you know, multilingual solutions, right. And, and different ways to manage that and, you know, what's the best way and everyone's sort of in the same general direction, but everyone has their own little twist on it, how they mm -hmm. think that their way is a little better, or they like it for this reason or that. And I think that that's good. And I, and I think that the variety, you know, hopefully inspires other people to do it even different ways. And, mm. um, you know, if everyone just did the same thing the same way all the time, I don't think FileMaker and its ecosystem would be as good as it is. That's it. That's a, you're, you're saying that our differences, the way that you and I develop something differently, push the platform forward more? Is that what you said? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because there's, I mean, you look at the history of FileMaker even before I came to it and, you know, there's all of these like, you know, things that some developer, you know, got in there and said, oh, hey, look at this. You can pop information backwards through relationships. Uh, you know, oh, hey, look, look at this. And, <laughs> you know, and, and I'm sure, you know, the engineering team at FileMaker all the time is like, how did they think of that? Right. Like we didn't design it to do that. You know, we like, what, what are people doing? And, 
And I think it's the same kind of thing as developers that we see with users, you know, when we have problems and they're like, well, why did you click that? Like, why did you push those keystrokes when you were in that field? Like, <laughs> but they do it. And, and, and you learn from that and, and, you know, you, you find some process that wasn't intended and, you know, and developers sort of go, wow, that's cool. I want, I want to play with that. I want to use it. I'm going to see where it goes. And, you know, and we end up with, you know, all kinds of, of interesting things, you know, uh, obviously someone at some point, you know, decided that there's all kinds of things in farm here. It's just the list goes on when it goes down that path, right? Like um, people are just really creative and push the limits of it. And I think that that feeds into new, new development and better things for users and companies. I, you know, I think I'm going to take some credit here and even if it's just in my head, but I have spoken at DevCon the last three years about JavaScript. I have noticed that um, people at Claris have been in the sessions, have stopped in and seen, wow, there's 200 people in here. There's whatever. Maybe, uh, maybe I'm uh, one of those people that are helping push the forward the JavaScript uh, yeah, I mean, usage. One, of, one of these days, you know, JavaScript will be native in FileMaker. <laughs> no, it's there. And, you know, in JavaScript is, is a huge, is a huge, you know, kick for FileMaker and, you know, the, the fact that it keeps getting better and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and the more people can leverage that it's, it's really an amazing tool that I think is really still just getting started. The fact I, I, I personally agree with you that, um, as long as we solve our clients' problems, they're happy we are happy and we are, we're done. Um, if you and I are using different methods to solve the same problem, um, that's great. But I have two questions about that. How does a FileMaker developer then like continue her learning of FileMaker? Um, what, is there any motivation? What, what kind of attitude should she bring to this? If, okay, I've solved the problem using my method, Tom had a method I don't know anything about. Do I need to learn it? Do I care about it? I think that the motivation to continue to learn is the problem is not always the same. I mean, there are some problems that are always the same, right? Like printing, right? I mean, that, that doesn't change much. But the, the actual real problems that are, you know, the problems that a, a company needs the application for, um, you know, the different companies, different problems, right? And they're always changing. Um, you know, you can try to put companies into, you know, sort of canned solutions that are kind of the same all the time. And, and you know, there are, you know, CRMs out there, FileMaker, there's all kinds of stuff that those things work great and they're very adaptable. But when you get into, you know, custom applications and FileMaker, I think it's the developer's job to stop, have no assumptions, and really understand what that company needs. You know, what does your client need? What do the users need? And maybe it's a similar problem, but it's not exactly the same all the time. And and I think that keeping that point of view helps you reach into, um, you know, other methods. Like, is this really the best way to do this? And And that's really, I think that that's a motivation. You know, if you care about what you're doing enough, you want to take that approach as often as possible. So I think I hear what you're saying is if I design a script and it works for my client and they're happy, then I'm good. 
But maybe if I have some spare time on a Friday night, for example, um, I could explore other ways to handle the same problem. And a developer is um, not required, but is best served when she is trying to learn alternative ways to solve problems that she's already solved. Is that fair? Is that, is that a good idea for us? You know, I don't want to say solve problems that are already solved, but I think it's better said as find a better solution to the problem, right? Like, I mean, you've got the automotive industry and like, well, we get you from here to there, but now we're going to do it with, with less gas or we're not going to use gas, right? Like there, there's this idea of innovation that I already solved that, but maybe I can do it better. I don't know. That's a motivation for me all the time. You know, I I try not to just go, oh yeah, I, I can do that. You know, can I do it better? Can I do it faster? Can I do that on 3G? Right. Like <laughs> that, that, that's a big question for me, right? Like you get to mobile, you, you know, you get to these horrible connections and can I do it? Right. What do I have to do to make that happen? And, you know, so, you know, just doing it or, you know, doing it better. I think I see it like that. That's an interesting idea. Doing it better, um, better in my limited view up until just as we were talking means meant faster. Uh, if this script can, can, can get its job done faster, that is better. And we can talk about that in a minute, but it occurs to me that better in a FileMaker world could mean some other things. Maybe, um, well, I'm big in transactions right now. I, I use them a lot. So maybe quote better means lesser commits, less commits than a previous script, right? Less moving contexts. Maybe those are indications of a script that is, quote, better. Right. And I mean, those are great examples of it may not be faster, but it's better. You know, you know, the the process of, of, of record control, right? Like open the record, lock the record, you know, you know, change your data, commit your data, you know, the, that whole process, right. Like to, you know, to go through, you know, transactions and sort of make sure that the data is safe, right. That, you know, the, the data safe, that's obviously the most important thing I would say. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that may not always be fast, right. You, there's certainly ways that you, you can blow through a bunch of stuff and hope everything works fine. But, uh, you know, and, and for some businesses, it's fine. You know, they can, they can deal with that in certain areas. But in other, you know, in other applications, you really need that control. And it doesn't always mean it's the fastest. Okay. That's an, that's an interesting thought. I might have to think about that. What does, what, is a, what does it mean to, be, to have a better technique than the previous one that I did? I know that for myself... I used to create records by opening up a new window and doing the thing, closing it and doing the, then opening it again or what, whatever. Now I'm using a transaction model. In fact, I have a client who I did this for. I used to create records in seven different tables because I was pulling from an API and then distributing the results from the response from into many different tables. And my client was happy with it. That was great. But as we were continuing to improve it and he gave me some more time to do that, I decided to rewrite it in a transactional model where I'm starting at one, I have one context 
I'm writing across relationships. I'm not moving anywhere. And I can ensure that that data is safe. If the script fails for some reason, which we know that scripts can do that, power goes out, whatever, my data is secure. Not Some of the data wasn't created and some wasn't, and I get out of sync, but... Um, so, so that was a, that's a good example of of better, and I was I'm actually glad I was able to do that. Um, just quick funny thing about that: I knew that I was building it here at Geist Interactive. We talk about transactions a lot. I knew that I was building it in a way that solved the problem, but I also knew that in the back of my head there was a little voice gnawing at me, saying I would lay, lay awake at night struggling with this and thinking about this and be like, oh, I should have written this transactionally at the beginning. So I had the chance to do that. So <laughs> I don't know. It was just a silly story to illustrate the uh, quote, getting better um, idea. I've, well, I've done a lot of getting better over the years uh, in FileMaker. Okay. You know, uh, you know, some of the things that I first started doing and, and I would see people talk about this technique or that. And I'm like, oh, this works fine until it didn't. And I'm like, oh, that's what they were talking about, you know? Okay. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, it's sometimes, you know, and I think that that's just, you know, a, a growth thing and an attitude thing. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure everybody's, you know, at a spot like that when they, when they first start to a certain extent that, you know, that they're just going to do it. And then, mm -hmm. you know, you, you learn things over time that you're like, well, maybe you shouldn't do it like that. And, uh, you know, you, you get past those things where we shouldn't do it this way because that's definitely bad, but you know, where, where else can we stretch it? Where else can we grow from there? So it's, it's not just find that one way it's, it's keep pushing it, you know, where, where it goes and, you know, and, and to that extent, you know, like people want to add, like, you know, you interact with APIs and then, you know, logging every API call, like logging every piece of data, you know, all of it. Right. Like you log that and then on record changes, you know, audit logs for every record change. And, you know, that adds, a, you know, a decrease in speed to do those things, but it adds integrity to the, the overall system. It seems to me that users care about integrity. I think you mentioned that speed is is would be nice, but I think integrity is more important to a lot of clients. Yeah, I think I think when you get to to that question, there's really a distinction between client and user. Um, you know, the user, whoever's at the other end, you know, like using you know a, a Pro Advanced or WebDirect or you know or Go, like whoever's using it, like they they like the speed. And maybe mm -hmm. somebody upstream in management's like, yeah, but we want more integrity. And sometimes there's a balance there. The user isn't always the client in in that respect. Um, you know, as far as like who who's I think you get it right. Like, there's people who, who yeah. use the who use the application, uh, you know, day in day out, and then there's people who just read the reports. And you know, usually the people who just read the reports are the people hiring you. Uh, so it, yeah. there's a little bit of a disconnect sometimes. That's a, that's a good point. Yeah, and the whole this whole topic today is what does the user care about? In that in that instance you do have two sets of users that are a little, have a little bit different purpose, but uh, we'll, we'll come back from that and <laughs> save that for another episode. So we talked a little bit about making our code better, refactoring it. Um, and, and I, I illustrated a time when I was able to do that, but when do you think it's time to refactor our code? What signals, what, 
what factors tell us we need to refactor? I think it's always time to keep an eye on it, um, you know, to sort of evaluate that. But I think you want to do it as little as possible. Um, you know, otherwise it, be, it becomes intrusive, right? If you're doing it all the time and, you know, which is possible, you can always be in there tinkering with something, but, you know, to, to go in and make big changes or even small changes, um, it has an impact on a company, right? Like those things take time, you know, the, the system may need to be down for two days and they can't have it down for two days. And, you know, so those things need to be, you know, chosen wisely. Well, I would say when you run up against, um, when you're trying to do a process and, and, and there's maybe when you interact with a service and the service is offering new functionality that the company could really benefit from, like when you really see something, you know, the carrot hanging there going, man, we need that. We could do so much more with that. You, you, you really got to think, okay, we got to get there and how do we do it? And if that means we need to go in and, and change a lot of stuff to get there, then you do it. But don't do that just because you can. I mean, it really, you have to weigh the impact on the client in terms of productivity versus what they're going to gain overall, you know, and that's sometimes a decision for the client to make, uh, mm -hmm. you know, where you present them with, you know, it's going to cost this to change it. This is the time impact. This is what's going to impact with, of downtime, uh, you know, in productivity, because you don't have it for this amount of time. And this is what you get in the end. You make the call. That's a good point. We, we love to tinker, don't we? And um, we could always get in there and tinker. I think a lot of people find great fun in that, right? Friday nights, what else are you going to do, right? But we really have to stop <laughs> and consider all of what you just said so that we're not, not wasting the client's time and money, but we're also not breaking and causing a lot more impact than we were hoping to, you know, alleviate. We, you, you have to consider the cost. I, I appreciate that. So speed is not always a reason to refactor. You didn't mention speed at all in your in your answer well, there it, it is right i mean it is it, okay. it, it, it can be right um you know if there's a process that who knows for whatever reason you know like the the number of records in some table somewhere is just you know getting outlandish and you know there it it takes forever for a particular you know script or process to to happen or there's some sort of calculation that just drags on you know you really need to you know, and it starts to impact productivity to the point where like, you'll see users get upset, right? Like there's this amount of seconds that they're okay waiting and then they're not. <laughs> and when they hit that point, it's usually a lot of people have that frustration and, you know, you don't want that, right? You don't, you know, and, and I get emails like, Hey, this, this thing's too slow. Everybody's complaining and like, Oh, okay, well let's, let's find out why and let's fix it. So you know, if, if it's really having an impact on productivity, then you need to look at what's causing it. And if, if that means you need to go in and make a, a decent sized change or, you know, create some sort of other process to, to get it running better for where the company's at or where they've grown to, then yeah, that's, I would say do it. Okay. It's, it's interesting. You talk about the number of seconds and I guess it could be different for, it's probably different for every user, for every, at least company. Um, so that, that means that we, as a developer, pick a method, we develop that, we build that, we test it. And then during the user testing, 
we really, not only do they get the functionality and it, it makes sense, but are they willing to sit that long? Are they willing to have the process happen a certain number of times uh, or a certain number of seconds? Um, that's, it's really important to gauge that, right? Because that, that helps us know, do we have to refactor it, get it fixed up right now? Absolutely. And I think, you know, I think it's a great practice as a developer, if you can, I know not a lot of people can do it because of remote development and whatnot, but certainly if you can, as a developer, go into your client's environment and just watch them do their job, right? Like, you know, if it's a brand new deployment, they don't have anything like watch what they do with paper or whatever it is they do, right? Like watch them do it when you deploy, you know, for the first time in testing, you know, show up, watch users use it, like see if they stop and pause and wait for 10 seconds because they're confused. They don't know where to click. They, you know, just paying attention to these small bits and then, you know, interacting with the users like, hey, uh, is there a problem? Like, is something confuse you? Get sort of into their shoes and feel what they feel and how they do what they do. And that can change how you revise and develop. What kind of sentence or paragraph would you say to somebody that's learning FileMaker? And I know we're all learning it, but I mean, the new to FileMaker person who's interested in solving problems for their clients, whether it's themselves, what do you, what would you say to them to understand, to encapsulate what we've talked about here? Read, read a lot, watch, watch some videos, right? I mean, you know, do some due diligence, right? On, on techniques, but I would say just do it, right? Like just do it and then do it better, right? Like, I think, I think that people, I see a lot of developers who are new and, you know, they come to the community and forums and, and other places and they ask a lot of questions, even at DevCon, I've, I've had people talk to me and they're new and they get so concerned about getting everything right at the beginning yeah. that it, it, yeah. it delays deployment. It, it delays a whole process. And, and I try to tell people like, yeah, um, yeah, it's not ready, but get it out there. Just let people use it. Uh -huh. like, just go. And that is better than kind of being stuck in this perpetual development and never having something that people use. Like, cause I've, I've seen that and, and that frustrates me for them. Right. Like just, uh -huh. just get it out there, deploy it, let people. Use yeah. It. Yeah. I, in my first years, developing, I suffered from that, picking the method. I knew a lot of methods now, and I was struggling with which one to pick. You know, do I go to a calculated field? Do I, do I use a script? And finally, someone said, just pick a way, develop it, and we'll see what happens, right? <laughs> so that's what I tell people as well. Just develop it, get it done, solve the problem for your client, and then see if there's another way on your own time. Right. So yeah. Okay. Very good. Um, all right. Well, let's, uh, let's think about this. I, I appreciate your thoughts on this and we'll, you know, we'll I'll try to write them out because there was a lot of good stuff in here, but I want to switch topics and I want to just close this time by asking you, Tom, what is the context that you would use blank? Okay. 
So just off the top of your head, I'm going to name some a function, a script step, a technique, and I want to I want to hear what you what what is the context that you would use this? Okay. Okay. Ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. I think this is a good certification test. So uh, if you do well on this, you pass your certification. Okay. Test. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's start with some easy ones. Um, execute SQL. Um, use it anytime you need data from unrelated tables. Okay. Execute SQL. We got that. Uh, how about virtual lists? Ooh, virtual lists. What? Let's let me count the ways. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, reports. I'm just, I'm giving you like, I'm giving you really short one word answers, you know? Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I appreciate okay. that. Okay. Um, the, uh, an unstored calculated field. Um, unstored calculated fields. I really like those when they stay within the same table. Um, so they could be stored actually, right? Yeah, they, they could be stored, but I don't like them to, sometimes they can't, but, um, I, I like it when they stay in the same table. The context of using um, a custom function. Ooh, custom functions. That's a tough one, man, because the custom functions do all kinds of stuff and you can use them everywhere. That's true. Yeah. yeah, but I would say custom functions belong when when you need to get something done, but maybe you don't want to go all the way to a script to go through a, a process like the script to get it done and you could just do it with a do it with a function okay yeah. a custom function yeah what else um custom functions are great oh, hold on i'm stopping you right there custom functions are great okay. for like conditional formatting you know hide calculations like if, if you've got something that's a little bit more complex that needs to you know to return a, a true or a false you know evaluating a bunch of stuff like custom functions are great for that i like to use them for that how about um, the FileMaker chart object? Uh, let me tell you. So in all of my years using FileMaker, I have used the FileMaker chart object, I believe, five times. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's it, <laughs> uh, FileMaker's great. The, the chart functionality is, it, it, it works for what it does. Uh -huh. But yep. um, yeah. So what, it, what is it? What is that context? Yeah, that context is use a chart when you just need a really simple bare bones chart with, you know, some some limited data, you know, just when you've got an X and a Y and, you know, it's not interactive. It, I mean, it is what it is, right? I mean, it's basic, basic charting. So if that's what you need, I mean, I use it for, you know, basic counts over time is what I've used it for, you know, like just seeing certain processes like you know how many times did this happen in this many hours right like that kind of thing you know, just sim simple simple data visualization is is really about what it does how about um multi-key fields oh those excite me uh, <laughs> <I knew it. laughs> you know this already um multi-key fields i mean it's really it's it's a nice unique thing about filemaker and I use them a lot with um, value lists, um, checkboxes, and jumping found sets. Um, I I leverage a lot of it with like data abstraction, which is a whole nother topic. But 
yeah, I mean, multi-key fields, there's, there are a few things that they don't do that I wish they did. You know, multi-key across mm-hmm. a not equal relationship, I think it, mm-hmm. it should do something better than it does. You know, maybe one day I'll submit a product idea for that. But um, yeah, the, it's it's a pretty powerful thing. Um, you know, obviously, you, use, you know, there's, there's popular things of, you know, global fields to, you know, to, to bridge across to found sets, um, you know. I use them a lot, you know, send off something with a perform script on server that just returns back. It does a find, it does something complex that the server can do without sending whole tables to a, to a client and then just send back, um, you know, primary keys, you know, drop the primary keys into a global field and then boom, you've got your found set. So sometimes the server can process finds a lot faster than the client can. And that's, that's one way I, I use them a lot. Okay, I've got three more. Okay, and we'll, we'll wrap it up here. Um, uh, what was the first one? Oh, uh, using using JSON. What is what is the context for using JSON in FileMaker? The context for JSON. Um, I use it to just pass data all around. Um, in scripts, I use it to pass all kinds of complex data. Um, you know, in terms of you know APIs. I'll send a JSON object as a script parameter. It includes, you know, the, you know, the, the method, the URL, the endpoint authorization, you know, the, the keys, like, you know, it'll just pass everything in that the script needs. And I have one script that just says API call. Nice. <laughs> so, yeah. And it, it works really, really well for that. Great. How about uh, perform PSOS perform script on server script step? I like it. I like it for finds, you know, on remote networks. It's really good for that. Um, it's good for certain types of record creation. You know, I, I like it for that. I think that those are good contexts, like, you know, a, like found sets with bad network connections. It's probably one of the, the ones I use it for most often. Okay. And how about um, JavaScript? JavaScript. You use JavaScript in FileMaker when you you need the better visual elements and interaction on the layout that you know that uh, just the the standard filemaker tools don't have so you know javascript in a web viewer um amazing right and you know this you know this, you know what it does but you know just you're able to take data from filemaker and display it and allow users to interact with it in such amazing ways and and that's really what i use it for and what I think it's good for. Nice. All right. Very good. Well, Tom, I, I want to thank you for spending some time with me. I appreciate your thoughts on um, uh, what a user cares about and what is the context of using this, this, or this. Uh, did you have fun today? Oh, yeah. I had a great time, man. Uh, you know, maybe maybe one day, you know, you can you can have me back and we can talk about something else. Oh, I'd be glad to. Um, so before I let you go, where can people find you? Tell us if you've got anything you want to just tell us that has nothing to do with FileMaker as well. Where can people find you? Let's start with that. Where can, where can people find you? <laughs> where can people find me? Um, you know, you can find me. I'm, I'm on the uh, FileMaker community, a.k.a. Big Tom. And, uh, you know, that's, that's where I'm at. Um, you know, if you, if people want to find me, uh, you know, in regards to FileMaker, find me there. And, um, I think, uh, aside from, you know, FileMaker, I, you know, I 
I don't know. What else do you want to know, Jeremy? I think. Tell, tell us one thing that about you that's not FileMaker related at all. One thing about me that's not FileMaker related at all. Let me see. Um, I have a, you know, I, I, ha- I, I grew up with, you know, in, in motorsports and I have a, I have a big passion for motorsports. I think that uh, that doesn't always, you know, come through when people interact with me, but I have found through my interactions in the FileMaker community that there are a few, um, you know, very, um, very dedicated motorsports enthusiasts that are longtime developers in FileMaker. Very nice. Very cool. Well, Tom, it's great to talk with you. I appreciate your time and uh, you had a lot of good insights and we'll definitely have you back. All right. All right. Well, thanks for um, giving me all the questions. Yeah. I hope the, uh, the, uh, the questions I sent to you were relevant and I hope you were able to think through them and I didn't blindside you too much today. Well, I think you really didn't stick to the question list, but I think we did all right. <laughs> oh, I didn't. <laughs> no, no, it's been good. It's been good. All right. So all that's right. a wrap. Thank you. Talk to okay, you. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Context Podcast, sponsored by Geist Interactive. We hope you enjoyed it. We are grateful to the wonderful guests who give us their time to talk FileMaker, technologies outside of FileMaker, and the FileMaker community. You can find the Context Podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast episodes. Please give us a rating and a review. Your thoughts make the podcast more visible, and we are always interested in what you have to say. Talk with you next week. This here. Um, oh, six. and let me let me let you know, yeah. just so that you can know. So my oh. name is Tom Othout. Othout. Yeah, Othout. Yeah, so that you you don't have to make a mistake or sound silly later. Oh, and my safe well, word, my safe word is pineapple. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs>